Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per month. As many of you who have listened to the podcast know, I started my career in remanufacturing. Now, the main issue with remanufacturing, the core issue, is always the cores. If you're a remanufacturer, you need cores. If you sell parts and you don't remanufacture, you need to do something with the cores. So I'm very excited to talk to our guests today because they have created a really unique solution to a significant challenge in the industry, and I'm looking forward to talking to them about it. My guest today is Justin Greenberg. Now, he's the president and CEO of Diesel Core. Justin has been in the automotive parts and service industry now for 22 plus years, and he currently holds a board of directors position in Mira. He is widely considered the foremost authority on interpreting core trends and creating opportunities through market inefficiencies. My type of guy looking forward to talking to Justin. Justin, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad to have you here. Thanks a lot, Jamie. It's great to be here with you today. So it sounds like you and I have uh, have been circling in similar you know circles, whether it be remanufacturing or twenty plus years in the business. It's a fabulous industry to be a part of. You know, you've been both involved in automotive and and heavy duty. What do you think is the big trends right now in twenty twenty two that are affecting? remanufacturing and cores in the industry? Well, I mean, all of us have been affected at some in some way, shape or form by this supply chain, uh, you know, issue that has cropped up for everybody. And it's obviously not just our industry, it's many other industries, but it's it's certainly uh, acute for us because we're all feeling it. Uh, one of the things that we have found is that, uh, you know, remanufacturing has always been a very, very important part of the industry. But Historically, over over the last two years, it has just really come kind of into the limelight because we now have product that uh, companies and large OEs aren't able to to, to procure brand new anymore, uh, or it takes too long to get it, or maybe it's too expensive to get it, and so now they're looking for other solutions. And so I think one of the big things we're seeing right now in the remanufacturing sector uh, is the the some of the large OE or aftermarket companies looking into reman. Uh, of of other types of uh, injectors or turbos, or maybe even some other parts that aren't normal uh, units to be remanufactured. And so because of that, the core market has exploded on some of this material. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I would also assume that there are end user customers who maybe at one time would have said, no, I don't want reman, but now they're like, my truck's down, that thing has to go. So get me the part that, that you can get me. So I think this is probably like a, a moment in time for the reman sector where we really can move the reman sector forward in the minds of both the manufacturers and resellers as well as the end user customers. 
I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jamie. I mean, we're seeing it more now than we ever have. We're seeing a lot more messaging and activities surrounding remanufactured parts. I mean, a great example is one that you just listed. You're not able to get a part that's brand new because it's not available or it has gone into uh, you know, some, some sort of uh, status that, that it can't be procured anymore. And now all of a sudden, the only option is a remanufactured part. And you know, you you and I probably both know that a remanufactured part, in many times, is equal, if not better, than a brand new part because as they remanufacture it, they're able to go in and and uh, kind of remedy some of the issues that 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 might have uh, caused a failure in the first place. So, in my opinion, it's it's the way to go for sure. There's a concern though that I have right away because I agree with you. If you're truly remanufacturing, you have the benefit of seeing hundreds, if not thousands of units after they've been in service. And so you can identify those failure points. You can upgrade that part and make it better than when it was brand new off, uh, you know, from the OEM. Of course, the OEMs, the, the, the engineers, they don't have the benefit of seeing, you know, all of that, uh, cycle duty time and, and whatnot. The thing that I worry about though is while remanufacturing can do very well right now, there's also probably the risk of people just kind of cleaning up parts and trying to position them in the market as if they were truly remanufactured. That's got to be a bit of a concern for you as well. It definitely is. Yep. And, and, you know, we're on the supply chain side of that, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it is certainly uh, an an issue all over Uh, somebody marketing a part as remanufactured versus something that might've not gone through all the processes and procedures of, uh, you know, a normal part that might be involved in some sort of industrialized process to remanufacture it. So yeah, I mean, wh- one of the things that I always tell people to look for is, you know, go go to one of the large tier one or tier aftermarket companies. Make sure you have a great relationship with your distributor or aftermarket parts supplier, as long you know, as well as your original equipment parts supplier. And those are going to help make sure that you get a high quality remanufactured part. Yeah, and to your point, the relationships that we are either we've had historically or even the new ones we're forging right now because of supply chain issues. They're so critical to making sure that what, you know, they're going to stand behind what they sell you. So not only do you have who manu- remanufactured it, but you also have who's selling it to you. And both of those organizations are standing behind this product. So that, that's a critical piece to the puzzle. From your perspective, just, just looking at it from the remanufacturing uh, point of view. Have you seen quite a large increase in people willing to forge new relationships because they're trying to cope with the supply chain? Yes, uh, we, we've certainly seen that. And I'm sure that, that a lot of the uh, aftermarket distribution channels, as well as uh, you know, some of the OEs even, have, have seen it as well. Again, mentioning earlier, a truck is down. You have no other solution ex- except to go out and buy a part that, that you can source because maybe that part's not available somewhere else. And so that might include uh, creating a relationship with a new uh, a new supplier somewhere, which, in my opinion, is a great thing to do. I feel like you can never have too many wonderful partners that you can work with. Yeah, that expanded supplier network is so important. And let's be honest, we're very partial. Hopefully, it's with a bunch of remanufacturing companies that'll be able to really help you. What do you think companies should do to retain those relationships after the increase in demand starts to wane once supply chains do catch up? Yeah, so I, I I believe that that the companies I'm sure that they're going to go after a lot of these customers and continue to uh, to service them, but uh, hopefully they're they're going to find ways to service them that are outside of that one or two parts that they were able to solve a specific problem with. Maybe that includes some maintenance parts. Uh, maybe that includes uh, some type of service. 
So yeah, hopefully that the relationships are long lasting. It's not just going to be a a single purchase type of relationship where you only buy one part and then and then that's it. Yeah, and a great example of that, I know when I was working for a remanufacturer, we had a repair and return service. So if there was a, a core that was hard to get your hands on or the person wanted the same part back, we offered that as a service. That was definitely a value add. Now, speaking of cores, that's the core issue that we're here talking about is uh, how do we get access to those cores? If we have a surplus of those cores, what do we do with them? That's what we're here to talk about. We're going to continue that conversation when we get back from our break. Don't have a heavy-duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high-quality fuel injection for heavy-duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. We're back from our break. And before the break, we were talking about some of the trends in the industry and how it's impacting remanufacturing. Justin, I'm so happy to have you with us. You're the president and CEO of Diesel Core. Can you start off uh, just by telling me what is Diesel Core, the company? What does it do? Um, and where did the idea come from? <laughs> Well, the idea came from uh, uh, you know many years in the dealership business, mostly automotive related on my side, but I spent about 15 years in the dealership business. And uh, during the Great Recession, which was, gosh, quite a while now ago, but uh, uh, I found myself in probably a situation that, that, that many other people had found themselves in at that point, which was I was out of a job. And uh, something that I had always gotten used to doing was uh, buying and selling used vehicles just kind of on the side as a hobby. And one day I purchased a Dodge Ram pickup truck that needed a new engine. And when I went to go source that engine, the person that I sourced it from, which was a, a salvage yard, asked for the core back. And obviously, one thing led to another. I thought, my gosh, why would anybody want this old engine? And what are they going to do with it? And come to find out, there was an entire industry that I had no idea existed, which is, which is of course, the remanufacturing industry. Isn't that that that's such a problem, right? The remanufacturing industry is just invisible to so many people. I, I would agree. I would agree. It's uh, and and it's unfortunate because not only is it doing some some wonderful things to help solve supply chain issues, but it's also doing some great things for the earth. We're keeping all these yeah. all these parts out of the landfills. We're keeping them out of uh, you know recycling centers and giving them all second, third, or fourth lives. Okay, so you you've got this truck now. You've just put in the the engine and you sent the core back. How do you go from that? to president and CEO of Diesel Core. So I, I actually, uh, I didn't send the core back. I decided to keep the core and dismantle the engine and uh, start finding homes for all the pieces and parts on the engine. And again, I discovered there was a remanufacturing sector. So companies that wanted to remanufacture cylinder heads or injectors or turbochargers or, or uh, fuel pumps or ECMs and so on and so forth. And so uh, I, I ended up going out and uh, creating some relationships with some wonderful customers, many of whom are still just just our best customers that we have today, and uh, forging lifelong relationships. And uh, we we decided to uh, to start growing, and so that was about twelve years ago. I started the company in two thousand ten, and uh, we uh, we now have a couple of different locations, and uh, we are just growing like crazy. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of remanufacturing companies. Uh, call on us specifically because we're able to help them out of uh, some uh, hard to hard to find uh, core. We're, we're able to source hard to find core for them, 
and uh, we're also uh, set up to to solve some some large scale problems for some of the largest OE remanufacturers. I swear, some of the best companies always come in the wake of a bear market. It's just like it's just you know I don't know if it's just because it throws us into that position where we have to. Like I started my contracting business in two thousand nine. Same thing as you. I saw the writing on the wall four months after I resigned my position. They shut down every corporate store that of the company I work for. Um, and so I would have been laid off anyway. And that, that business we sold in 2016. And, you know, a bunch of my friends, they've all started businesses during recessions and bear markets. So I think sometimes it's just the necessity of the circumstance forces people to think outside the box. That's right. Necessity is the mother of invention. So yeah, that's exactly right. I, I knew that, uh, I wanted to go out and try something on my own. I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be, but I'd really just kind of fell in love with this with this remanufacturing sector. The core market, it, it, you know, specific is is very specific in that regard. Is it's uh, it's not like your normal supply chain. You can't call up and order a bunch of injectors unless they're out there. Uh, you know, normally if you're producing brand new parts, you can call up and say, "Hey, I need rolls of steel or rolls of aluminum or whatever it is." But when it comes to remanufacturing, uh, the core has to be available to remanufacture. Yeah, they only made so many that year. So, you know, some of them have been damaged. Some of them are, have been taken out of service and there's only so many in circulation. So like, who's your ideal customer and what's the big problem that you're solving specifically for them? I think people understand now it has to do with cores, but walk us through that. Sure. So ideal customers are going to be uh, large original equipment uh, remanufacturers. So obviously we can all, you know, think of some some large names out there. Cummins and Caterpillar and Bosch. And these are all really large uh, uh, original equipment manufacturers. Some of those guys we work with, some of them we don't. And then also we we have a large number of aftermarket clients, tier one, tier two, tier three aftermarket clients that are in the remanufacturing sector as well. And uh, we're normally solving problems for them that are specifically related to shortages on core. Now, those core shortages could be uh, because they already have a remanufacturing program going, and maybe there's a certain percentage of fallout, or uh, there could be some sort of new program they're trying to launch, and they need to go out and buy a very large number of of injectors or turbos or ECMs or cylinder heads or whatever it is. And uh, they're going to come to somebody like us, and they're going to say, hey, uh, we want to put a program together. And for us, we really take the approach of planning. We like to sit down with our clients, really understand uh, what the goal is that they're trying to achieve. And then we come up with a plan together of how we can achieve it. Yeah, I think that's so important. So one of the sponsors of our show is Ambac International. They are a fantastic company that remanufactures fuel injection. I, I, just by the look of your face, I think you know who, who they are. <laughs> we absolutely do. Yeah, Ambac is yeah. a great company. We know, uh, we know several of the folks over there very well. Uh, Robert Isherwood and, and some, mm-hmm. some of their different operations folks. And so it's a, it, it is a great company. Yeah, you you don't be you know you don't uh, exist for over a hundred years if you haven't figured some things out and do some things right. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly so, right. <laughs> so let me ask you something. Like, I'm always interested in the economic impact. So if you're a company, and even let's say you're a tier two manufacturer, you're not a big OE, but you're you're independent. You're remanufacturing compressors and fan clutches, and maybe you're doing fuel injection like Ambec does. What's the economic impact if you run out of cores? Well, I mean, generally speaking, if you run out of cores, that means that you're no longer able to remanufacture a product. Your only other choice is to either do some sort of an out-of-stock scenario 
uh, or you can go and try to source new and then infill. But generally speaking, I would imagine you still have orders going on. So yeah. the big thing is you don't want to run out of core. If you're a remanufacturing company and you run out of core, uh, then somebody's truck ends up being down, whether it's a commercial vehicle or whether it's a pickup truck. And, and that's obviously a bad scenario. Those, those back orders can, can begin to, uh, to stack up pretty quickly. So yeah, I mean, ideally you want proper core management that going, that, that's going to allow you to uh, make sure that you aren't running out of core. Uh, generally speaking, you want to be ordering that core several months ahead of time or at a minimum uh, 30 to 60 days ahead of time. If you're in a hand to mouth scenario, then, then uh, that, that's going to, that can get really difficult, especially if something is in short supply. Yeah. And, and that like with, ma- with regular manufacturing something new, I mean, you have to get the raw materials in, but with the remanufacturing process, you have the added time and labor to tear down, clean, prep, make uh, replacement parts, you know, from new to bring this thing back to OE or above standards. So there's additional time there that needs to be accounted for in the manufacturing process when you do reman. So you guys have done some really interesting things. You have a reverse e-commerce uh, site. Tell me about that because that was fascinating to learn about. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. It is. It's it, it's it's a pretty pretty interesting concept. So early on, when we were buying core, uh, you know, from either salvage yards or uh, scrap facilities or even the general public, uh, you know, shop owners, things like that. We quickly realized that we spent a, a fair amount of time either on the phone as a company or exchanging emails with with people that only wanted to sell a handful of parts. Maybe it was two injectors or six injectors and one turbocharger, whatever the case may be. And 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 we would also spend a, a similar amount of time on the phone with somebody that we were buying a hundred or two hundred parts from. And so we wanted to create a uh, a site where you know whether you're a shop owner or an individual uh, or even another company, you could log in, understand, and see what we're paying for that particular part at any given time, and then create a a purchase order uh, with us to where you can actually sell us the material. So the reason we call it reverse e-commerce is it's 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 the opposite of of buying something. Normally, if you were to log on to uh, an Amazon or or a Target or somewhere and try to buy you know buy something. You have a shopping cart that you would put that item in and then you would check out. Well, we have the same thing except instead of putting the item in to a shopping cart to check out and pay for it, you're actually going to put it in and you're uh, you're going to sell it to us. And so there is a way that um, you know you can upload tracking numbers and uh, you can ship it over to us. And then once we receive it and check it in. We will pay you uh, for that that particular product, and as you would imagine, uh, you know there's there's obviously multiple different grades of material. If something's damaged, we may have to take a harder look at it, and then normally uh, you would get a phone call, uh, and we could we could discuss it. But there's a ton of different parts on the website, Jamie. Everything from injectors and turbochargers to you mentioned fan clutches earlier, even complete engines. So we buy a myriad of different materials. Yeah, and my favorite air compressors. We used to uh, work with Superior Industrial Friction in Alberta, and they remanufactured all of our compressors for us. Justin, what is something that uh, it gets remanufactured that might be a little surprising to the average listener? They wouldn't be something that they would think actually gets remanned. Ah, oh, that's a that's a that's a good question, Jamie. Um, some of the things that are that are surprising to me. Uh, that 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 get remanufactured are some of the small little uh, valves and solenoids. That come either they're fuel related or you know EGR related, exhaust gas recirculation related. Also, EGR coolers get remanufactured. So 
normally all of us think of like a turbocharger or an engine or a transmission. Those those are items that get remanufactured. But some of the small itty bitty pieces that are on the engine that are outside of the normal uh, electronic or mechanical components. The other thing that, uh, that that gets remanufactured on a regular basis is brake shoes. So that one's that was a really big surprise to me. I've done thousands of brake shoes myself. <laughs> Have you? Okay, so oh, yeah, yeah, you know. So that's yeah. yeah. I mean, they uh, they actually drill out the rivets, pull off the linings, and they use mm-hmm. the, you know they're, they're able to refinish and reuse the backing plates. And uh, and I mean, it's one of the most remanufactured items out there because if we think about it, how often are brake shoes uh, you know getting worn out, especially on some of our large commercial vehicles? So yeah, it, it, it's another fun item that we buy a lot of. And that one to me was a big surprise whenever we first got into it was brake shoes. Normally, I thought that was a throwaway item, but it's definitely not. Brake shoes are in high demand. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Justin Greenberg, the president and CEO of Diesel Core. We want you to support remanufacturing, buy high quality remanufactured parts, and don't you dare throw away those cores. Head over to dieselcore.com to be able to sell those cores to diesel core so that they can keep them in the remanufacturing sector and we can see those parts back in service very, very soon. Justin, thank you so much for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report. Uh, It was awesome having you with us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jamie. It's been a pleasure and uh, I can't wait to continue discussions. I'm always willing to talk about remanufacturing and core. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.